We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. A Jury of Her Peers by Susan Glassbull, up for discussion today. Have you ever been on a jury? I actually have never been selected, believe it or not. <laughs> I think every time I've gone, I've been selected every time but once. They love me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I got something against, going against me for some reason. Yeah, I'm ready to judge today. Let's get to this. <laughs> I'll say this. I went into this story knowing nothing, right? Same. And I, I honestly could spend 15 minutes, I, I won't, with this opening line. But we, we have in the opening paragraph, we have, It was no ordinary thing that called her away. It was probably farther from ordinary than anything that had ever happened in Dixon County. But what her eye took in was that her kitchen was in no shape for leaving. Her bread all ready for mixing, half the flour sifted and half unsifted. I, my mind was just exploding with, with how much is, is here, right? Because... You have, is it a trope? Is it reality? Like, I, I didn't know even the year that this was published, right? So I'm reading this, and you have how, you know, a woman's place is in the kitchen trope, uh, that, that the kitchen is nurturing, right? So is she playing with that? Is she making commentary on it? Like, that's, that's where my mind first goes. You've got the sleepy town of Dixon County. Like, nothing ever happens here. Small town, right? Which means yeah. something big's about to explode and change. <laughs> Yeah, it, it sets the stage, just the imagery of this lady that obviously the kitchen is very important to her, or is it made to be important for her? And you imagine this lady hustling, bustling all around the kitchen, and then like she has to stop dead in her tracks and do something that is very exciting, but it's also pulling her away from her normal of her routine, which is very important to her. But why is it important to her? So there's all these questions that start popping up in my mind of what's going on here. And, you know, why is this, you know, so exciting for her? And what does it mean ordinary in Dixon? And yeah, it, it, it's, it gets you kind of going really quick of, I, I need to know more. I need to know more. Uh, and I just, I flew through this story. It's great. I haven't put any effort into this, but I wonder if you could almost attack this with like a hero's journey approach, right? Like, you have the safe area of the kitchen. This is where I know what I need to do. I've still got things to do. And she's called to action, right? She's called away to almost rise above the the expectations of her gender. She, she's got to leave the safety of her house to go on this journey. But even then, there's even like the, the gender kind of like expectation challenges, like where the sheriff's just like, oh, you're coming to keep my wife like company. Like, I know how you women get. You're so scared. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's pretty chauvinistic right there in the beginning, and it's like, oh, it's going to be this type of story. I mean, it, it very clearly is from the very beginning uh, going to point you in a direction, I think, of uh, what Glassbell was going for. So we get into the buggy. If I have my notes correct, we had Mr. and Mrs. Peterson, the sheriff and her, his, his wife. His wife, yep. Yeah, we've got the narrator, who is Mrs. Hale, and of course, Mr. Hale, Mr. Talkie Talkie. 
and the county attorney, Mr. Henderson. Five people to the buggy, if I've got that correct. And that clearly dates this when you realize that they're getting in a buggy and not a car. <laughs> yeah. it, it reminds me a little bit of, um, we talked earlier about how this, this writing sounds somewhat familiar. It reminded me of Shirley Jackson, where the characters yes. are almost just like thrown into, you're in the deep end of culture of this is how the small town is. This is how women are expected to behave. And there's no time to breathe. You're immediately accepting and challenging all at the same time, like from from a, a narrator's perspective. And for each of these characters, did you feel like they all kind of personified the best of the best or the worst of the worst? Like they're caricatures of what was the norm or expectation, I feel like, of a time period that people were getting into buggies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes and no. Like, I was trying to figure out Mrs. Uh, Peterson for the longest time because she was she was always Mrs. Peterson or she was the sheriff's wife. Like, she was defined externally. And yeah. she was almost, like, reacting so, so based on, like, this is what people expect of me, right? Versus Mrs. Hale, and even to an extent, I guess, Miss Peterson, too. It's a very complex writing. You, you'll notice they, they kind of guide from the shadows. Like, when they get to the house and Mrs. Hale's husband, Mr. Hale, uh, is supposed to be narrating what he saw. Like, they're, they're walking around the kitchen, and she's just like, oh, honey, don't go off again. Just answer the question. Don't go off into your story mode. I love how you always go to the story mode. Like, you'll see, like... The, from the sidelines, like the, the women have more to participate in than what they're allowed to do, right? Like it's kind of like the don't speak unless spoken to time. And here you can see how she's like, oh, honey, don't you do it. But like, you know, there's like a hidden rain, if you will, on the scene. Oh, yeah, I like that. The rain, because I, I think that for me, I took it as that this is this is control. This is power of the husbands over the wives. And then I think that's why we get kind of the good twist to the story that we can talk about as we move forward is they pull back all the power and you realize who kind of really is running things behind the scenes, which I love how Glassbowl kind of ties that up at the end of the story. Well, you even have material evidence for that, too. We have the quote, Mrs. Gorman had a voice that somehow seemed to be backing up the law with every word. Behind every woman or behind every man's a good woman, right? Yeah, that's exactly that's just the story feels exactly that quote personified into a short story. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm looking at another quote that I wrote down. I wasn't going to talk about it. But when I think about the hero's journey, think about this. It said, Martha Hale had a moment of feeling she could not cross that threshold. And the reason it seemed she couldn't cross it now was simply because she hadn't crossed it before. I, I think that actually is further evidence that she is accepting the journey. She's accepting the challenge, the quest to conquer the dragon, if you will. Like she's going to go out there. And I think her dragon is challenging the expected norms, the, the expected gender role that, that's put upon her. Yeah, I could see that, that, that that's the dragon and then save the princess at the very end, right? Which she successfully does. Yeah, I think there's a great argument for that. So we, we, we arrive at many rights. Like we said, the husband goes off on the story and wow, what an interesting story to, to show up and be like, Hey, you're a husband here. And she's just like, no, you can't talk to him. Well, why is that? Oh, he's dead. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Cause of death rope around the neck. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm going to go. I'm not going to walk in the house with you here <laughs> where I'm worried you're going to attack me. Like, like this guy just like walks right in. He's like, yep, that, that dude's dead. <laughs> Well, I mean, what's crazy is it feels like 
that Minnie is written almost like as a serial killer, right? I mean, she has no emotion attached to that her husband is dead. And obviously that's off-putting to all of the men who are like, um, like, shouldn't this woman be crying over her dead husband? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's just like, yeah, he's dead. Deal with it. I'm going to do what I got to (laughs) do. So it's like they aren't used to seeing somebody that is so empowered and and so confident like Minnie. And uh, I I just love the way that she's written. Hit me with this one. They they have this little side story about how she couldn't get that telephone line, which was expensive to put in. And people, yes, contributed together to install it. It felt like there was more to it than that. Did you have any uh, inklings as to what might be going on at the uh, right household with that? Yeah, I think there are a few not so subtle nods as the phone as kind of controlling again and restricting what Minnie is allowed and not allowed to do or communicate and not communicate because it's very clear later in the story that Minnie's husband is a very controlling individual. He's a very mean individual and that obviously he doesn't want the outside prying eyes on his relationship because I don't think that he is the kindest of husbands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they keep investigating, right? And they they keep denigrating the women, talking about the, oh, the insignificant woman stuff that you do. If if you didn't know, I think this is either from or became, I think it, it was from, it kind of like boiled down from like a, a play that she wrote called Trifles, uh, where trifles are the things that, that women do, or like, like it's, it's like we belittle the important stuff to women, like because it's not important to the man. So something along those lines is, is the feeling that I got from reading this. I, I haven't watched the play. But it's it's the way the men just constantly are like, okay, you guys entertain each other. Us men, we're going to go find the motive and investigate. Uh, it was many really the, the guilty party here is kind of the feeling I got for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it, it felt like the men were like, oh, you know, we're superior. Again, it's that that patriarchal society that you know men are smarter than women there's no way you can help us you're just here to basically distract Minnie while we investigate and figure out whether she killed him or who killed him what's going on so yeah I felt like the women were brought along just purely as a distraction they didn't think they were going to be a help at all uh, which again is just so insulting and so apropos for the time period of, of how men and women were viewed differently All right, so Mrs. Hale says that she's never been there before, the rights, because she feels like she should have as a good neighbor, right? I I do miss this trope, like this this idea that we welcome people to a subdivision. I actually have a very friendly subdivision, but I was honestly a little disappointed when I moved in and like nobody brought me some apple pies or came to welcome me. Like (laughs) I walked up to every neighbor like, hi, how are you doing? Uh, My name is Una. I just moved here. Like, Like it felt weird that like some of that... Southern hospitality is missing, if that makes sense. And you I live miss- in the north. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I'm a dirty northerner. Because I will say, when I moved here, uh, my next door neighbor came over and he was like, "Hi, I'm Mike. If you need anything, let me know." My other next door neighbor, "Hi, my name's Lashawn. Let me know if you need anything." The guy that does all the mowing and basically the whole neighborhood for the 15 houses on my block, he came over and mowed our house for free the first time and said, Hey, I do lawns. I did yours for free as a welcome gift. Like I think it's still there in some areas. You just have to be in the right spot. Okay. Well, if you're done bragging, okay. I mean, (laughs) we find out that Mrs. Hale says it never seemed 
a very cheerful place. So you mentioned earlier that Mr. Wright was very controlling. And we get the feelings that this isn't a very cheerful place. We talk about the stove being run down and how is she supposed to cook on an old thing like that? Like we have a lot of references to her being deprived of of what? How, how would you describe it? I Again, it still feels a little bit negative, but from, I guess, the women's perspective, and again, I'm inferring because I don't know and I never lived during this time period, but it seems like they're like, well, if you're going to degrade us this, at least give us a good kitchen, at least give us a good stove, at least give us, you know, the proper things if you're going to force us into almost this role of servitude give us the tools we need to be successful and they really feel sorry for her. like wow we thought we had it bad like here's somebody who has it even worse and we didn't even know that was possible and on top of all that she's our neighbor and we didn't even know that she was going through this suffering that we got to stick together you know if, if we're going to you know persevere so we go into the kitchen and again we have things half done Right. Or it's dirty. Like, like, oh, how can Minnie leave her place like this? I think this is her rebellious nature. Uh, I think this is her trying to, you know, those little tiny, you know, battles that she can win. Well, if you're going to, you know, treat me like this, then my kitchen's going to be dirty. And, you know, if you're going to, you know, make me cook, then you're going to get raw meat or you're going to get a crappy meal. I think it's those little rebellious battles that she's trying to win and um i think they're adding up and i think once the other ladies come in they're seeing that of wow like this is not what we pictured as you know a traditional happy home oh i can see that here's another way to look at it we find that the there's a bird cage and there ain't no bird (laughs) (laughs) yeah well there is a bird (laughs) we just don't know it yet right The, the the hinge is busted off And she asked the question, what would bring Minnie away so quickly? I wonder if this was the point of contention. Is is this the moment that, what was it, John strangled the bird and she came running out of that kitchen? She she left her duties because uh, they talked about how John, uh, there's some quote along the lines of that he hated singing things, right? So he hated the bird because of singing, because it was bringing joy. I don't know. But it's almost like he killed the bird and Minnie came running and left her duties at that point in time because is the bird her like is is the they talked about how she once was in choir again a singing activity and how now she's like run down unhappy was it this oppressive relationship and things that John did to her that caused her own strangulation of her will to live if you will. Oh, okay. See, I took it a different way. And so I'm going to move forward a little bit in the story. So they eventually find the bird and it's been strangled. And the 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 other ladies there, uh, Mrs. Hale and the others are like, oh, if the men find this bird, they're immediately going to think that it's Minnie who killed John. So they hide it, right? Right. And to my mind, I went, oh, the bird was a practice. The bird was strangled. John was hung and strangled. And so Minnie, in a a, a fit of rage and frustration at her husband, took out that on the bird. And it's almost like her trial run practice. Like, you know, they say serial killers start off with animals before they move on. So I thought, okay, Minnie killed the bird. And that's evidence that she killed the bird. So, i.e., she killed John. That's why they hide the bird to save her. And 
So she used a bird as like her her test run before she went and murdered her husband. That's how that I is, took it. I know that's kind of dark, but you know me. That's what I, my brain does. You know what? I was dark earlier, right? With like, like, don't go into that house, Mr. Hill. Minnie's going to whack you. So <laughs> you're good there. Um, let's talk about that quilt too, right? Because I think it's significant that she hid it in the sewing materials that she was, when she was quilting, I think normally like everything looked good, obviously a good quilter. And then things started to go a little bit off, right? Like this stitch doesn't look right in the same way that her kitchen is a little bit off, right? Like things aren't cleaned right or like something, something was preoccupying Minnie, whether it be the way that John treated her or the lack of things that she, she needed, but John wasn't giving to her. When we think about quilts though, I, I think, I think, I do think this is significant. Quilts, oh, for sure. it's kind of a lost art, right? Like not many people do it anymore. And sometimes they were handed down generation to generation where each group would like contribute to the quilt that quilts are not only representative of of it, but are a form of heritage in a sense of of how your family history and tree came to be what it is. And not only that, they're a sense of community, right? Because a lot of times people would for weddings or whatnot they were like oh i knitted a little bit of this i knit a little bit of that um or you know i did the quilt i did the socks i did the mittens i did the hat and so like to make a whole outfit and stuff like everybody in the community would knit pieces together so it's that sense of community that camaraderie and what are the ladies doing they're sticking up for many through the knitting and they're like no it's supposed to be done this way it was knitted correctly they're standing up for her and they're almost like wait a minute you guys know that like the knitting in the kitchen is our place because you've relegated us to that place and now you're going to question us on it? No, 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 sir. And they're almost like, you know, giving them the middle finger of like, no, guys, we're telling you how it is. And I love that, mm -hmm. how they kind of come together and, and stand together as one to support Minnie. It's very beautiful. Well, and I, I think it speaks on, on a lot of different levels, right? Because then you have the gender discussion of the the man-run investigation is is being run the worst, right? Like, they're just like, okay, oh, it's complete like, failure. Did, yeah, did epic someone fail. did someone break in and stuff like that? Which which are, don't get me wrong, are, are good things to check, but it's the women who who saw into the psychology, right? Like they're the ones that are like, what what are the things that Minnie did? Like, why do you think she left this here? Like like let me see like what she was into this quilting. Like they were the ones that entered the psyche and really tried to understand and see Minnie, even if they didn't visit her and felt bad because it was a not very cheerful place. They, in the end, right. they were the ones that could think and, and empathize, maybe sympathize with the woman and think like her that the men couldn't do. Yeah. That's the thing is they are like Minnie because they are seeing it from her perspective and the men have dismissed the women and just feel that they are superior and they have no idea. And I, I think that's the thing is that like, even to this day, men and women are, are very different and it's difficult for us to understand each other and being dismissive makes it even worse. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the men come back in. Ending of the story is they, they couldn't find that motive, even though the women have. And they're like, all right, what was it? Was it uh, knotted or, or whatever the terms were? They, they said knotted. Uh, yeah, the quilting and, terms. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you do you think there's some play there with with that last line? I, I was trying to think about that, but I really, I felt like at the end, it just comes down to Mrs. Hale realizes that they made the right decision supporting Minnie and that they are the jury that is going to judge, not some random group of men. Because if we're assuming that they're riding a buggy, 
that this is the 1800s, let's say, even even early 1900s. This is pre-women's right to vote. This is pre-women's ability to be on a jury. So if she had been, you know, tried for murder, it would have been 12 men that would have convicted her. And so I feel like the 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 title is very appropriate that she is judged by a jury of her peers, the women who actually know her, get her, and understand her, can sympathize and empathize, as you pointed out, and that she is judged accordingly, and they judge her to go free. And I think that's really awesome. Uh, and it's a truly magical, happy ending. <laughs> Not for John, but for many. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely on the earlier side for feminism to that point. I also wonder if the not it was also a reference to the fact that, that that's how she killed him, right? Like it's a play on words of they were answering how she did it, like the knot around his neck. And uh, at the same time, they were kind of uh, having a, a little pun tundra there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's funny. So, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Great story. Yeah. Great story. Highly recommend a second re- read. I, I I I didn't. I could do a closer read of this because I think there's so many different angles you could go at it. But that's kind of like I just felt so overwhelmed just with like this first pass. It, it was a great story. Uh, we'll leave a playlist down below if we do any more glass bowl stories. If not, let us know what you think we should check out next. And if you enjoyed the conversation and aren't sure what to say, I don't know. Like leave a little little hangman, a little knot, something. <laughs> Is that or quilt <laughs> or a piece of fabric <laughs> yeah, emoji leave us a blanket emoji down below if you enjoyed there the talk go. and aren't sure what to add my name has been una thank you for spending time to listen to our thoughts on this peace <laughs>